Tonight we'll be in Hosea chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Hosea 2, verses 5 to 7. For their mother has played the harlot, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. Amen. As a reminder, uh, Hosea the prophet was commanded by God to take a wife of harlotry, a woman who is unfaithful and who prostitutes herself out to other men. Hosea, the faithful husband, and then his wife, the adulterous woman. This is to paint the picture for the nation of Israel and also for us that God is the faithful husband in this, uh, in this context. God is the one who is gracious. He is the one who is patient. He is the one who is loving. In the nation of Israel, they have played the harlot. They uh, commit spiritual harlotry against the Lord God. God who has chosen the nation of Israel to be, uh, to be his people above every other nation. And just as the wife, when she enters into the marriage covenant, should be faithful to the husband... The nation of Israel ought to be faithful to God as well. And in the book of Hosea, he constantly mentions and talks about sin and judgment. Uh, the sin of the people and the harlotry, the idolatry that they are committing by worshiping, praising, and giving glory to idols, to things that are man-made. And then the judgment of God upon their sin for such a sin. And verses 5 to 7 is another example of sin and then the consequence of their sin, the judgment of God upon them. So in verse 5 it reads, For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. The nation of Israel here is depicted, pictured as the mother, the mother who has played the harlot, the one who has followed after idols, who has uh, worshipped and praised things that are dead. And the nation of Israel, um, they should be uh, worshipping the one and true God, the one who has uh, bought them, the one who has brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And just as the, the mother who plays the harlot, she's acting shamefully. She's doing things that she ought not to be doing. So the nation of Israel is also doing. They're attributing and giving all of these things, all of the things that they have, the land which they have, the food which they have, the drink, the covering, and so forth. They're giving the praise that belongs to God to another and this is the shameful act. It is a shameful thing for a wife to commit adultery against a husband, but how much more so for
for the nation of Israel to commit adultery, spiritual adultery, adultery to the God who has chosen them above every other nation. And the mother ought to be the beacon of truth. She ought to be one who represents and is an example of godliness and the embodiment of what uh, a son should be looking for in a wife or a daughter should be striving to be when she grows up into maturity and is ready to marry as well. But instead, she has taught her children, the nation of Israel has taught their children to continue to worship idols. And that's why in verse 4 it says they are children of harlotry, that God is not going to have compassion on them because they are following in the footsteps of their mother, of their uh, of the um, idolatrous people. And many times throughout the scriptures, they were warned and they were told to constantly uh, admonish, to constantly teach their children so that they would not forget the works of God, so that they would not forget the God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And this, uh, one of those examples is in Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Psalm 78, verses 5 to 8. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The nation of Israel, they had the testimony established. They had the law of God given to them. They had the commandments of God and they were commanded to teach their children that way in future generations, they would not forget what God has done for them. Even the children yet to be born. And in Hosea's day, they did not do so. They did not teach their children the ways of, of, uh, of God. They did not teach them the way of righteousness, but they taught them the way of harlotry. And they taught them to be harlots, harlots themselves, to worship idols. So just as it was in Moses' day when they committed flagrant harlotry and idolatry towards God, it is the same in Hosea's day. And it is the same in our day as well, that many people claim the name of Christ, but yet they do not know Christ. They should be teaching their children the ways of God, the works of God, but they do not do so. And they actually teach them to be uh, spiritual harlots towards Christ. And an example of what we should be doing is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. Verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we have or we behaved toward you, 
Believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul, Silvanus, uh, Silvanus and Timothy here, they are giving us the example of what it means to teach, admonish, and to be how to be devoutly and upright, blameless uh, before believers, and how to um, encourage the church as a father would his own children. And this is what the nation of Israel should be doing, and this is what we should be doing as well. Teaching them the ways of God, encouraging them in the scriptures to not forget the works of God, to not forget the creation that God has created and the redemption which God has accomplished. And he says in verse 12, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you. So if God is the one who calls us, we should be striving to work, to walk in a manner worthy of him. And as it says in Hosea 2, the what the nation of Israel uh, was doing, they were giving glory to another. And God says in Isaiah 42, verse 8, Isaiah 42, verse 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. And the nation of Israel and the wicked, they do that. Like it says in verse 5 of Hosea 2, it says, they will go after, uh, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread, my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. They are attributing all of these things that God is providing for them, that God has given them. They're giving the glory to things that are made, to the ones of their so-called lovers, their false lovers. But God says that uh, he is a jealous God and he will not give his glory to another. And he will not give his praise to graven images, things that are man-made. And in verses 6 to 7 explains the judgment that is going to come upon them because they are doing this because they're going after uh, they're going after dead idols and after their so-called lovers. In verse six, it says, therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. God's judgment upon the nation of Israel is going to be uh, to confuse them. And to make them not know which way to go and not be able to persist in their sin. And God uh, is going to throw them into this uh, confusion because of the sin which they are committing. And God has promised this to the nation of Israel long beforehand that this would occur in Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, it says, 28:15. it says, But it shall come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today, 
that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then Moses goes on to uh, give, explain the different curses that are uh, that will come upon the nation of Israel and upon the wicked who do not listen and obey. And then specifically in verses 28 to 29, it says, The Lord will smite you with madness and with blindness and with bewilderment of heart, and you will grope at noon as the blind man gropes in darkness. And you will not prosper in your ways, but you shall only be oppressed and robbed continually with none to save you. So God, what he promised or what he is going to do to the nation of Israel during the days of Hosea is what he has promised here in Deuteronomy 28, that God, the Lord, is going to smite them, smite the wicked with madness, with blindness and with bewilderment of heart. And it is because like verse 15 says, they do not obey the Lord. They do not observe his commandments or his statutes. And therefore, these curses are going to come upon them. And it will be the same for the wicked of our day, just as it was in Hosea's day. <coughs> and this is not just a Old Testament um, teaching. This is not something that the God of the Old Testament uh, does but not the God of the new the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are exactly the same in second Thessalonians chapter 2 second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 to 12 verses 11 to 12 say, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. And in this, Paul is explaining that the man of lawlessness uh, will come and will be uh, coming in the name of Satan. He will be coming in. Uh, deceiving people and become or he will come with the power of Satan and deceiving people and people are going to believe him believe the man of lawlessness but God says he is going to send them a deluding influence a deceitful spirit upon them so that they will continue to believe what is false and what is not true and it says in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth because or uh, but took pleasure in their wickedness or in wickedness so they're judged and god is sending them a deluding influence because they love their sin more than they love god they may claim the name of christ they may claim to be a christian but god is saying or uh, but these people are the ones who will uh, commit flagrant harlotry and idolatry uh, towards our god and the world, uh, the world, the flesh, the devil, they hate this teaching, the teaching of sin and judgment of the retribution and the vengeance of God. They hate when you mention their sin, but they hate it even more when you mention the judgment of God upon their sin. And the New Testament explains the judgment of God all over the place. It's not something that is only found 
within the Old Testament. It is not something that is contrary to Christ. It's not contrary to Paul. But even Christ, when he was speaking to the so-called religious leaders of his day, the ones who were to be the teachers of the law, uh, in Matthew 23, verses 27 to 33, the religious leaders of his day, they were the ones committing the harlotry. They were the ones committing idolatry, following uh, laws, follow, not laws, they were following man-made laws, uh, man-made traditions, worshiping themselves, worshiping their own will rather than God's will, rather than his own word, his commandments. And this is what Christ says of them. Matthew 23, verses 27 to 33. Matthew 23. <clears throat> Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they, full, they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How will, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Christ is pronouncing this judgment upon the Pharisees and upon the scribes, the religious leaders. And he's telling them their sin and giving them the judgment that is deserving of their sin. And he even says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape? He's saying you cannot escape the judgment of God. You cannot escape the sentence of hell. And this is what is happening in Hosea's day. While he's explaining to the nation of Israel, he's telling them and uh, making it clear that God is uh, going to make it to where they do not know what is up from down or left from right. But they are lost in their sin and there's no hope for them. Um, another passage to consider is Colossians 3. Colossians 3 verses 5 to 7. And this explains that we should be not living in our sin because the wrath of God is going to be coming upon us. Or because the wrath of God is coming because of sin. Colossians 3 verses 5 to 7. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body dead, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also, you also once walked, and when you were living in them. The wrath of God is coming upon sin. And this is not a... Uh, again... In the book of Hosea, it teaches us that uh, sin, uh, that when we sin and that when there is sin, that the judgment of God will come. And Paul is teaching the same concept that um, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience 
because of sin. And we should make sure and be sure that we are not the sons of disobedience, that we are not living in our sin, that we consider our members of our earthly body as dead to sin. And we used to walk in them, but now we should not. Back to Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7. It says, She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but will not find them. So this is further judgment of God upon the, uh, the mother who is playing the harlot. Further judgment upon the nation of Israel who commit idolatry. Further judgment upon the wicked who desert and falsely proclaim Christ. And uh, they realize and come to their understanding that their idols are worthless, that they are vain, that they're empty. And the harlot as well, in the same way, she realizes that her lovers are false lovers, that they do not satisfy, that they, she, she cannot find peace in them. The nation of Israel cannot find peace. They cannot find deliverance in things that are man-made, things that are mute and deaf, things that, um, golds, things that have uh, only been made by the hands of men. And... Jeremiah chapter 10, Jeremiah chapter 10 explains the condition of these idols and the people who make the idol and who believe in the idol. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 8 says, But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. The people that worship idols are altogether stupid and foolish. And it says that their discipline is a discipline of delusion because they worship what is wood. Their idol is wood. Something that we can get from the forest. It's uh, it's nothing. And then also we look to verses 14 and 15. It says, every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. Every man is stupid and devoid of knowledge. Those who worship idols and wood, gold, silver, um, any of these things, those who worship idols are stupid and devoid of knowledge and even the one who makes it he will be put to shame because his molten images are deceitful he is making something that does not have breath in it and saying that this is your god this is what you should worship but it says in verse 15 they are worthless a work of mockery that is the idols are worthless but also the goldsmith are worthless the ones who worship the idol Uh, The idols, they are also worthless. They are all a work of mockery. And all of them, um, the idol itself, the one who makes the idol and the one who worships the idol, they will all perish 
eternally die in the day of their punishment. Why? Because their idols could not deliver them. They are, uh, they are empty. Just as it says in Hosea 2 verse 7, that when the harlot goes and seeks her lovers and pursues them, she cannot find them. She cannot overtake them. That is because they are non-existent. They will not and cannot help her. They uh, Idols cannot save. They cannot deliver. And we should not worship idols. Um, the rest of the uh, verse 7, it says, Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. We know that this is false repentance. We know that the woman, the mother, who plays the harlot, who commits flagrant harlotry, will only say this when she is devoid of pleasure. The nation of Israel, they have said it time and time again that they will go back to the Lord their God. And they always desert again and they always worship idols. And those who have tasted the good things of God and then again fall away from the truth and go back to what they used to do, go back to their former sins and then try to repent again, it is impossible for them to be restored again. And we know that this is true for the nation of Israel and the harlot and the mother who is the harlot in this context because of verses uh, 8 to 13 in chapter 2. It explains and it gives us more evidence of judgment and of, uh, of the sin that is being committed. So it should not be a surprise to us that when there's uh, no pleasure left, that this will be the response of the wicked, that they will want their, their fill. They, would, they will want satisfaction. They will want peace. But we have to uh, know this and believe this, that there no longer remains a sacrifice for such a person. And this is found in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. Hebrews 6. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Those who have been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and they have tasted the good word of God, it is impossible once they have fallen away, if they fall away, it is impossible for them to be renewed again to repentance, for them to... Uh, to truly and uh, have godly repentance. And God says that when they do this, they are again crucifying to themselves the Son of God and putting Christ to open shame. And this is a very shameful thing to do. And we shouldn't be surprised that there wouldn't be a remedy, that there wouldn't be a sacrifice remaining for such a man who deserts Christ after seeing uh, the works of Christ and the works of God. 
And this is what we have to keep in mind when we see the nation of Israel. We see uh, the mother here, the harlot, saying that she's going to go back to her first husband. And in this case, it's the nation of Israel saying that they're going to go back to the Lord their God. But this is impossible. It's impossible for them to do because they have done this over and over and over again. And they hate truth. They hate righteousness. And as Hebrews 6 tells us, that there's no longer a sacrifice remaining for them in this way. Some examples of this, if we flip over to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 15 to 17. 15 says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. Esau, uh, we know that Jacob and Esau, the story uh, of their lives, that Jacob was loved by God, that Jacob loved Esau, but hated, I'm sorry, that uh, God loved Jacob and hated Esau. And Esau hated God as well. He despised his birthright. And it wasn't just the birthright itself, but it was what the birthright entailed. And that was Christ. He despised and hated Christ himself because he is a wicked and evil and immoral and godless man. And when he, uh, even when he sought for repentance, it says that he found no place for it, even though he sought for it with tears. And there are people, uh, many people that will say that even though Hebrews 12 verse 17 explicitly tells us that Esau is not saved and uh, was not saved when he died, that he could not find repentance. There are many people that say that Esau did uh, repent and that he did find a place for repentance and that um, and that he was or that he is saved. He's in heaven right now with Jacob and so forth. But according to Hebrews 6 and according to Hebrews 12 verse 17, it is clear that Esau tasted the good things of God and rejected it. And when he tried to repent again, he found no place for repentance. He didn't actually truly desire it. He desired only the physical blessing, not the spiritual. And that's why he was rejected. He hates Christ and he hates the people of God. Another example we see in the Old Testament. We'll go to Genesis 19. Genesis 19 verses 24 to 26. This is with regards to Lot and his wife. If we remember the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their destruction, God is bringing destruction upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wicked and disgusting sin. And God, being a compassionate heavenly father, being a compassionate uh, God as he is, he's uh, in verse 15, I'm sorry, in verse 16, he seizes 
the angels of God, they seize Lot's hands or Lot's hand and the hands of his family and drags them out of the city because Lot hesitated. But it says in verse 16 that God, the Lord, had compassion upon him. And by consequence, he had compassion upon his wife as well. And so God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is a symbol of the destruction of the ungodly and the unrighteous as well. And when Lot and his family made it safely to the city, which God had uh, granted them permission to go to, it tells us here what Lot's wife did in verse 24. Genesis 19 verse 24. Then the Lord, uh, then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife was shown great compassion. God, the angels of God, um, the angels of God delivered Lot and his family from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. She had firsthand experience of uh, God's patience, of his graciousness, of his compassion. And as soon as she was safe and sound, as soon as everything was calm, she looked back and desired her sin, desired the idols that she had within her heart. And therefore she became a pillar of salt. And there no longer remains a sacrifice for her. She died and she died uh, the second death uh, or she died eternally and she will be thrown into the lake of fire. And this is what will occur to those who hear the word of God, who are associated with the word of God believe the word of God for a little while and then turn back and follow after dead, worthless idols. As soon as things calm down, as soon as everything seems to be okay, or if our idols aren't helping us, if we realize that our idols aren't uh, delivering us as we thought they would, that we're not having peace in these things. So we go back to God in this way, not in a true sense, not in a pure and genuine sense with a with a heart that is uh, yearning to be righteous, yearning to do the will of God, but with a uh, proud and a sinful, selfish attitude, then God will also turn us into a pillar of salt. And this is what the nation of Israel, uh, this is what they have done. Like it says in Hosea 2 verse 7, they have false repentance. And they only... Go and turn back to the Lord their God because there's nothing left for them. They're, they figure out that their idols are vain, that they're worthless, and that they're empty. And we should be sure to not have uh, pride in our hearts and um, think that we are above such a thing. We should always be praying, asking God to make us humble, to... Make sure that we are contrite in spirit, walking according to his word, obeying it, listening to his commandments, and teaching our children to not forget the works of God in creation and in redemption. Because we do not want to be like the mother who has played the harlot, the nation of Israel who has not taught their children 
the way that they should have. And this is the majority of the world, the one who claims the name of Christ, who claims to be a Christian, yet they walk in their sin and they commit harlotry against God because they do not believe the word of God. They don't follow the word of God and they despise the word of God. They worship their own selves. They worship their own image of God. Let us not be like this, but let us be of sober spirit and of sober mind and let us pursue godliness with all of our hearts. Amen.